0: Blog Talk Radio It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally here But I can feel the change in the way right now Nothing's in my way Die no more. No,
1: Good evening, everyone. This is Dr. Jess Armine coming to you from the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania. And like I like to, I know we haven't been having a podcast for a little bit, but yep, we got a great lineup for the next month, month and a half. And um, let me tell you something: uh, good things are happening. Very good things are happening. Uh, tonight, we are going to interview Mindy Haber who is the author of Lyme Rage, A Mother's Struggle to Save Her Daughter from Lyme Disease. And before um, I introduce Mindy and we get going, let me just mention that um, Mindy is going to be talking about her experience with her daughter and um, the... Lack of diagnosis of Lyme disease, how Lyme disease can create neuropsychiatric manifestations, which apparently is uh, is very much ignored. Uh, for basics on Lyme disease, uh, if you go to our website, um, com and go to the podcast section, all the podcasts that I've done are archived there. And there are two podcasts on Lyme disease that will talk about all the basic symptoms and all the different manifestations and so forth. So if you have any questions about those basic manifestations and how Lyme disease can be transmitted and so forth, those will be your um, uh, your go-to things. So um, I have to tell you, you know, I, I, I keep telling you that the song that I chose, which is a theme for uh, Star Trek enterprise uh which of course being a trekkie it's a, it's not a too far of a leap for me. But I always say this has to do a lot with chronic illnesses and those people who support those are chronic illnesses and I you know, I've read this book, okay. Not only is it an easy read, it is very poignant, it's very emotional, uh you can you can feel uh you know, the journey and, and, and the pain and, and the you know the, the sheer terror and the sheer perseverance. And, um, I was listening to the words of the song and some, you know, that talks about people with faith of the heart and the faith to believe and and strength of the soul and, and knowing that there's a long road and nothing's going to hold them down. Well, Mindy Haber is the epitome of that. And I'm um, just so impressed with her, her taking up this gauntlet, this cause because really the allopathic world the um the real doctors, if you will <laughs> i love i love to say that because I have to be careful how I walk up the uh i have to go out the back way when I start saying stuff like that because we're all outside with pitchforks and uh and torches and stuff um but when you go against the the grain you know you're starting to teach the whole world uh you know what Lyme disease can do, and like we talked in uh, our other uh, podcast you know Lyme disease is everywhere. Okay, forget the maps that you're looking at. It's everywhere. They found it in Antarctica. In the emperor penguins, they found Lyme disease. The ticks were carried over by the seabirds. So guess what? It's everywhere. And if you haven't been properly checked for Lyme, it should be tantamount to malpractice. Okay? Uh, And I'm going to get really, you know, upset because it's true. Anyway, let me introduce uh, Mindy Haber. Mindy Haber is a licensed clinical social worker and certified alcohol and substance abuse counselor. She's uh, in private practice in um, upstate New York, and you'll notice the accent when she speaks, okay? And um, what compelled her to write the story about her daughter's struggle with Lyme disease was a lack of information about the various symptoms that can manifest from being infected with Lyme bacteria. Her story is a warning of what can happen and a message of hope that there's a way out. And listen carefully, people, because this is big, okay? And she's going to talk about how her daughter went from being horribly ill to wellness. And um, I couldn't be more impressed. So, uh, everybody, let me introduce Mindy Haber. Mindy, say hi.
0: Hi.
1: Oh, are you? oh good. I'm glad you're still there.
2: <laughs> I'm still there.
1: Talking, people just run, you know, I'm like, all right, well, I'm out of here, you know? <laughs> Mindy I'm, I I'm so gratified that um that you're on the show that you um shared your information with me and um accepted my invitation to be on the show and um I think your your message is very powerful and very very needed so what is the message of your book
3: Well um first off I think the um message that I wanted to convey was one of hope that um If you persevere long and hard, there's hope hope there. And um, that's what I think helped me get through it. Hope that um, I could get my daughter well, that I would be able to find answers. Um, And realizing that I had to do that through my own hard work and research. The other message is that um, you have to um, do some of the work yourself. You just cannot rely on the medical community um, without gaining some knowledge yourself and understanding of any illness, Um, particularly this illness, which is still very difficult to define, and um, I think that uh, the emotional part of the story was my own anger and frustration, and I wanted everyone who read it to feel it, and hopefully those people who are in a greater power to make decisions um would be able to understand the kind of suffering that does occur with Lyme disease.
1: Well, I can tell you, you achieved your goal in your book. How about you tell our listeners uh, um, about your journey with Sophie? Uh, You know, we talked about your book. If you could, if you don't mind, um, tell us the story, okay, um, at whatever length you'd like, because I think everybody would like to hear what what happened, you know, how you needed to take up the gauntlet and, and what you did. And, um, you essentially saved your daughter's life. And, um, you know, that's real clear to me.
3: Well, the story begins with, um, uh, problems Sophie started to have, um, and with, um, headaches and, um, blurry vision and, uh, But I'd like to mention that um, she did have two tick bites that we know of. And so the story talks about that. About a year and a half before she got sick, there was a tick found in the back of her head. And then a year later, six months before she got really ill, um, a tick on her shoulder. Both of these I took off and took her to the pediatrician and when I said, okay she had a tick bite um i was basically told oh don't worry about it and so of course trusting the doctor i didn't worry about it so here it is um two tick bites um, and then illness begins running to the emergency room <clears throat> with these headaches that won't go away um Doctors not sure what to do, uh, running to the neurologist here and there, and and um, she just kept getting sicker.
0: <clears throat>
3: and what happened was uh, one day she just wakes up and she's unable to walk. So it was very dramatic, terrifying. She was 10 years old at the time, and she just woke up and she wasn't able to get out of bed and walk. And so that was... Um, uh, at that point, uh, she was taken to the hospital. Um, and while she was in the hospital, she had several um, uh, neurological exams with nothing concrete to say it was anything neurological. And... um the painful part of being in the hospital waiting for her, waiting um, in the emergency room was she was there for about eight hours before they said that, well, you know, we'll get her a room upstairs and try to sort this out. But here she's laying in bed and in terrible pain and telling me that there's these shooting, stabbing pains in her legs, moaning, and... The you know doctors or interns are coming in and asking her to try and quiet down because it's disturbing the other patients. So where did
1: you bury their bodies? <laughs> I know I gotta huh. make you laugh because you got <laughs> some energy in that. <laughs> I mean, just, okay, this is not so, my real accent.
3: You know, you're so enraged. <laughs> by the response of people that are supposed to be the helping people that you're leaning on. And um, all they're saying is, can you tell your daughter to quiet down? Because the noise is disruptive. Um, Amazing, amazing. So here it is in the hospital every day being told to get up and to try to walk. And she can't. And so, um, you know, part of the climax of the story is that the conclusion that everybody came to or the medical professionals in the hospital was that this was all in her head. This was some um, conjured-up physical illness based on um, some kind of mental health, trying to get attention. And, um, of course, it was my fault, because I wasn't available enough to my daughter, is what I was told. So here, my daughter can't walk. She's sick. She's physically in pain. And I'm being told it's my fault. It's all in her head, and I need to get a good psychiatrist um, and physical therapy, and she'll walk again. And, um, I can't tell you that sitting there and listening to this I just wanted to burst out and burst out in an angry rage, and of course, hence part of the title's purpose, my own rage, in how I was treated and um but I had Power. to control that because I felt that. It was more important to take all that energy and focus in on what my daughter needed. Why was I going to let these people take control of my life? I knew that they didn't have the answers and I had to go somewhere else. And so I got all the records and that's when the journey began really to try and find the answers to help her.
1: Now, I know you went to several different types of doctors um that's you went to neurologists chiropractors uh and you were they they were treating her with um you know things that were specific to their profession, but nothing was was putting her on a curative course. When did you start thinking that it might be Lyme disease?
3: Well, at the very beginning. I went to um, um, my chiropractor and um, he did what's called, which I'm sure you're familiar with, kinesiology. And he was the first person to identify that she had a bacteria. He could not identify it as Lyme disease, but he said there was definitely a bacteria in her body. Um, It was the... Originally, when she had one of the emergency room stays, that one of the physicians asked for a Lyme test, but um, I'm not sure that everybody is aware the Lyme test is an unreliable test. And so there is research out there indicating that the Lyme test is not a reliable test and that The diagnosis of Lyme disease is a clinical diagnosis based on symptoms, not just the test. However, many physicians today will just go by the test. I hear people come to me and tell me this all the time that, well, the doctor said, you know, she didn't have Lyme or he didn't have Lyme. Because they didn't have enough positive bands i g g bands i g m bands <clears throat> from the western blot test so um if i could
1: if I could interject right here for, uh for my listeners uh people um mindy makes a really good point here the screening test for Lyme is usually uh just testing for uh the total amount of um antibodies. Okay, And that's only between three weeks and a month or so after the bite, and uh, it becomes invalid after a period of time because the levels aren't simply high enough. And often the doctors will treat um, or defer the testing based on just that, or they'll make the decision the person doesn't have Lyme disease. And we're not just talking about Lyme disease per se, because Lyme disease is uh, microorganisms, Borrelia bugdefori, or bergdefori. Okay, there's a lot of Borrelias out there, okay? There's a lot of spirochetes that have the genus Borrelia. There are co-infections, Bartonella, Babesia, Rocky Mountain spotted fever. There's loads of infections that are considered vector-borne that give you the same symptoms as Lyme disease. Many makes a very good point that in this time frame, Doctors tend to treat the test and not the patient. Okay, you see that when nothing's wrong on the tests, because either they're not interpreting it right, not ordering the right tests, or even if they ordered the right tests, they're ordering it at the wrong time. And when they get to the conclusion, well, we don't see anything. There's nothing on the test, so there's therefore there's nothing wrong with you. And how many of us have heard that before? Okay, you have to take up the gauntlet yourself and and let your healthcare providers know that that's not an acceptable answer. When they start looking at you, it's because they can't figure out what's wrong. And where the where the bridge came where, hey, I can't figure out what it is, therefore it must be you. You know, not everybody's got Munchausen's. Not, everybody, not everybody's got Munchausen's by proxy, okay? <laughs> it's like ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. If they can't figure it out, they should work. They should at least turn the case over to somebody who can figure it out. Okay. But ultimately, Lyme is a clinical diagnosis. It's symptoms and testing and several other things, mostly history. As I've always told you, you know, if you're in real estate, it's it's what? Location, location, location. If it's in medicine, it's history, history, history. You know, and if the doctor doesn't take a good history, guess what? All right, or if it, an assistant takes a history, if you just fill out a bunch of papers and somebody just glances over them, okay, you've not been well taken care of because in my profession and in Mindy's profession, let me tell you something, we catch everything on a good history, okay, and yeah, you just can't be accepting of what's being thrown at you these days. I'm sorry for interrupting. Mindy, go ahead. That's okay.
3: So, um, some of the difficulty was of course, the fact that she did not have what is currently defined as a positive test um, based upon the definition of what a positive test is according to the Centers for Disease Control. Now, um, however, um, the neurologist did believe that she did have Lyme disease What is interesting that occurred after the hospitalization was that when I brought her back to him, he wanted to do a spinal tap to confirm the diagnosis of Lyme disease, and I would not allow that test to be done because there is no specific research that indicates that is a confirmatory test for Lyme disease. And the I believe the research I read was people who were tested, and I don't have the actual research article to um, speak about, but that the people that were tested in terms of having spinal taps already had Lyme disease and they were using that as a confirmation of people that had already been diagnosed with Lyme disease and so sometimes it's just
1: better to treat the blessed thing than to keep on testing just to confuse yourself sorry it's, a, well, it's one of my of so, it's one of my many soap some of the yeah,
3: tests also have lumbar have risk.
1: puncture Those tests, you know, do have risks, okay? You can just as bad create a problem as trying to fix one.
3: I agree with you. I think the other part was that, you know, she had suffered so much pain that I really, I had to take charge and be her medical advisor and say what was going to happen or not was not happen based on how much suffering she was going to have to endure. Um, without any real confirmation or research behind the spinal tap. However, she did have a variety of symptoms that fit the picture. Blurry vision, um, headaches that wouldn't go away, pain in the joints, stabbing pain in her legs all up and down her legs, from her ankles all the way up her thighs. So she had significant joint pain, unable to walk, headaches, blurry vision. She had some balance, gait issues. However, um, at that point, the um, neurologist uh, wanted to keep her on amoxicillin. And, um, you know, um, but... She wasn't really getting better at that point. So the Lyme diagnosis, at that point, I started to believe and started to read about Lyme disease, and I believed that she had Lyme disease. If she did not have those two tick bites, then I think it would have been more difficult um, for people to believe it or for even myself to think this is Lyme disease. So I think her knowing that she had the tick bites, um, for me, was the confirmation that I needed or had at that time.
1: But as I remember, she she didn't
3: have a bullseye rash, did she? She did not have a bullseye rash. She never Mm -hmm. had a rash.
1: Mm -hmm. People People understand that these ticks are incredibly small. You can get a tick bite and not know about it. You don't have to have the bullseye rash okay, do you know, the clinical diagnosis of Lyme disease should be based or your index of suspicion should be based on the conglomeration of symptoms, okay? And, and if you just listen to Mindy, all those symptoms can be from numerous causes, but the cause has to be ascertained. And uh, Lyme disease is one of the biggest ones currently that if you're not doing a good workup for it and not, you know, Looking at it from a from a clinical aspect, um, you're not doing your job as a doctor. Tell us about um, specifically about the neuropsychiatric symptoms she she expressed.
3: So, um, so anyway, what happened was, um, you know, according to the story I I tell, um, how I was, you know, talking with someone. in a a local restaurant in town and someone asked me how my daughter was doing and a woman out of nowhere, stranger, I didn't know her, was listening to the conversation, comes over to me and says, here's the name of a doctor. He's going to help you. And he happened to be what is identified or how uh, the community, the Lyme community identifies it as a Lyme literate medical doctor the medical doctor that is treating a lot of Lyme patients and uh, prescribing long-term antibiotics usually. And so that's how we got to the doctor who uh, began to help her. Now, um, what happened, my first experience with the neuropsychiatric component of Lyme disease, that is the bacteria crossing the blood-brain barrier, going into your frontal lobe or the bacteria going into the frontal lobe and starting to affect the area of emotion. And I will tell you exactly how it occurred. First time I brought her to the doctor, um, uh, um, she was having an explosion in the house, so it was unclear what precipitated it, other than she was she was very sick, she had just come out of the hospital, she was laying in bed, she was very tired, then we started to see this fatigue, and she just exploded exploded, meaning she started having what I call or identify as a rage outburst and started throwing things in her rooms screaming, you know, punching things. And we just didn't know what to do at that point, but say, okay, we got to take her back to the hospital because we don't know what's happening. And even as a mental health practitioner, I felt clueless at the time. We get her in the car. She is literally has to be held so that she doesn't hurt herself. Because she's just physically out of control, looking like a child who is psychotic is the only way I can describe it. We get to the hospital. We bring her in. She's screaming continuously, flailing her arms, so much so they have to put her into a separate room She's in the separate room, and um, she's screaming in a paranoid rage, get it out of me, please, please, begging me, begging, saying, mommy, mommy, please get it out of me. Well, what's inside of me? Get it out of me, please, please. Begging, screaming, terror, fright, the likes of which... um, um, you know, we see in a horror movie. Totally, phys- totally out of control that, you know, she had to be restrained. And so the doctor then decides, okay, well, I have to give her some uh, psychiatric medication and I have to agree so that she can get something to calm her down. Thank goodness I know a little bit about psychotropic medication because he wanted to give her I don't know if anybody's familiar with this, howl doll and atavan. Both together.
1: And that would knock her out very well. But
3: (laughs) (laughs) so I said please let's just give her the Adavan, not the howl doll, in an injection, so it'll work quicker and we'll just have to go with that. But after um, after she was on the Ativan for about a week or so, it really didn't work out. It has a rebound effect, and so it, um, it was a temporary solution. It didn't really address the problem, and I believe all of the psychiatric medications that we used, which were a couple more, were not effective because it wasn't a true psychiatric illness. It was a based on a bacterial illness, and the bacteria needed to be treated. And so um, that was the first experience of her having this, what I call rage outburst, which was severe, severe anxiety, anxiety to the point of paranoia. Then came the nightmares, these terrible nightmares of seeing people getting killed or her parents running after, somebody running after her parents, someone running after her. She'd be laying in bed and saying, I can't look over the side. Someone's there that's going to get me. Just terror. Complete absorption with terror. Terror. And so this would go on for for days. Um, these kinds of nightmares, um, uh, also the outbursts—you never knew when they were going to occur. There was no specific time or place that they would occur. We would be driving somewhere, and all of a sudden, I'd be looking in the rearview mirror just keeping an eye on her, and she'd be talking as if she's fine, you know, just an average 10-year-old. Then all of a sudden, you'd see her eyes go into this blank stare, what we call like in the mental health field like flat affect, just blank, flat, completely. And then she would start kicking and screaming and flailing her arms or I'd have to stop the car and go into the back and, and hold her and try to calm her down. And um, One of the medications that did help her actually and I write about in the story is Benadryl. Um,
1: so you know that there was a large histamine component, component to it?
3: Yes. To have some sedating effect, which it did. She would, but it would take her about 15 or 20 minutes to calm down into a state of, you know, a little sedated and she would lay down or go to sleep and then she'd wake up and she'd be okay. So these kinds of things would happen, I mean, eventually they lessen, but. Uh, This was clearly the neuropsychiatric component. Now, what I want to add in here at this point is a couple of cases that I do write about. Um, I was seeing um, a child and the mom came to me and said, you know, my daughter, she, you know, started her second year of college and she was going to her classes and all of a sudden she just started feeling anxious and having like this panic, like almost like a panic attack going to her classes. So we go through the history. Has there ever been any, you know, anxiety with her, any other problems, so on and so forth. So I say, has she been, where has she been this summer? This is the start of her second year. No anxiety prior to this. Did she go camping? Was she in the woods? I mean, living in an endemic area in Dutchess County, New York, every medical doctor, every professional should be asking that question or looking at Lyme as part of the differential diagnosis. So I'm asking her, where did she go? Where was she? Yes, she went camping. Yes, she was in the woods. Okay. You're going to think I'm crazy Go have her get a Lyme test. The next day, the mother calls me back and says, you won't believe this. She has Lyme disease. The test came up positive. She was treated. Within a couple of weeks, the anxiety was completely gone. She had no physical symptoms. Only the anxiety.
1: It is. Um, Another
3: case I. Huh?
1: No, I was just
0: saying that I it's, want to mention um, one
3: other case. Sure. The other case is um, a woman that I was working with at the time. She had told me a story about her, uh, a family member whose young son was. Having She she went to visit them and, and he was having these angry outbursts, all behavioral, under five years old. She said, why is he acting like this? I've never seen him like this. And she was telling me the story, knowing my story as well. And the mom said, I don't know. He's just been acting that way lately. It's like all of a sudden... And so some parents think, oh, you know, my kid is just acting out or he's just angry or maybe it's part of his development or her development. And they start, you know, thinking, oh, well, you know, maybe this is a new problem that we have to deal with. So the woman that I know tells her family member, look, you know, I know someone whose child had all these kinds of problems and it was related to Lyme disease. You should have him tested for Lyme. She comes into the office and says a few days later, you know what? He had Lyme disease. And as soon as they put him on the medication, the behavioral outbursts stopped.
1: One of the stories I tell people to help them remember that Lyme can attack the brain and preferentially attacks the brain <clears throat> is to remember that Lyme is a spirochete. Okay, and syphilis is a spirochete. And being both spirochetes, they have the same life cycle. You know, like we all remember syphilis as you'll get the canker sore, then it will go away, and then sometime or another you'll get a rash, and then later on it would attack your brain. Lots of historical figures that died of neurosyphilis. Um, But Lyme is syphilis's smarter cousin. It can hide. It attacks the brain a whole lot quicker. And I think these days people are sicker than they ever have been. so we don't have the defenses and uh, Lyme can fool the immune system and uh, can take root and gets into the neurological system rather readily. So you're making a really good point that almost any kind of manifestation, especially neuropsychiatric, you know, um, arthritic, anything that seems, Like, it shouldn't belong, especially in a kid. It's never wrong to to test for Lyme disease. It's never wrong to test for Lyme disease. You'd be surprised how many times you're going to catch it. And if you catch it early, if you catch it early, these are the results you're going to get. You're going to get, like, almost immediate turnaround. It's when it becomes very, very chronic that it becomes more difficult to treat. Okay, There's been a lot of damage to the neurological system.
3: Exactly. Um, I also want to mention a recent case of uh, someone who brought their um, child to me, a teenage, a young teenage female who um, was recommended by a friend who talked to her about the book. And she said, look, I don't know where to go anymore because my friend told me, come see you. Because I don't know where I can the go voice, anymore. The voice of experience. What are you going to do? Right. So I met with her daughter who she said was having anxiety. And as I'm talking to um, the young person, she's telling me about a year ago um, she was feeling dizzy and collapsed in school. And after that, she was fine. And here it is a year later. And now she's having dizzy spells all the time. And now the dizzy spells are, you know, making her upset because she can't do all her physical activities. And now she's having anxiety. And she's never had anxiety before. And she just has this uncomfortable feeling she was describing. Wherever she would go, all of a sudden she would start to feel this discomfort like she couldn't go to this place, or she couldn't go to that place, or which we would, you know, determine to be like social anxiety. But all the anxiety was connected with the onset of these physical symptoms. Now, there weren't a lot of physical symptoms, dizziness, you know, feeling, um, you know, some headache, activity, and the anxiety, So, again, no history of anxiety, never had a problem with anxiety. Tell the mom, look, you need to have her tested for Lyme disease. This does not seem to me to be true anxiety because it's connected with other physical symptoms. Two days later, the mother calls back. We went to the doctor that you recommended based on her Lyme titer she has um Lyme disease. So she thanked me because she said to me I would have been going from doctor to doctor to doctor till we found an answer. And I don't know how sick my daughter could have gotten. Very <laughs> so she was very grateful, very, very. grateful. <clears throat> that you know, hey, we got to the problem and we're doing something about it. So about 30 days later, I call her to ask her how is your daughter doing, what's happening, how are things going. In 30 days on doxycycline, the anxiety is completely gone.
1: Again, because it was caught early, and that's a wonderful yes. thing. If if the index of suspicion is raised and the salient points that you mentioned are that there was no history of neuropsychiatric diseases, anxiety, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh there was probably an event or a time frame where this just started for no reason. It may or may not be a, a tick bite or one that you notice. Uh there may or may not be a, a rash or one that you notice. And um all of a sudden the person's personality changes. Okay, and that's what I look for in a history. You no know, history in the family—that's a—that's a—that's a big data point. And if it just kind of happened, like if the kid went to camp or they went, you know. A, and you talk about an endemic area, and I would just like everybody to know that every area is an endemic area. Okay, it's like you can't escape this. Plus, the roots of infection are varied. Okay, it's not just the tick bites. Uh, there are several roots of infection. Just want to let everybody know: if anybody wants to ask an India a question, they can call in on six four six five nine five two two seven seven that's six four six five nine five two two seven seven if you're in the chat room and the chat room is real full, okay, go ahead and type out questions and I will ask I'm looking at the chat room myself, so I will be happy to ask Mindy for you uh Mindy uh there's a lot of things especially with your particular profession and expertise uh there's some things you'd like to tell um uh. Family members or caregivers about uh, caring for somebody who's ill, especially with a neuropsychiatric problem that um, has been undiagnosed, if you will?
3: Um, First of all, don't give up hope. That's the first message. Trust your instincts if you believe that. It's something else. You know your child best. You know your family member best. You've lived with them. Trust that information, that you know the person. You see the changes. You know what those changes are. You know that if they're not like the person the way they were, you know the difference. Trust that. Don't accept answers. um, You are the person's advocate. This is very important as a caregiver. You are the advocate for the family member or your child. Don't accept answers just because this person has a particular professional degree. Take the information. Take all information from all professionals. You evaluate it. You look at everything. And you analyze the information. You do some of the homework. You do some of the research. You look for information that helps everything that you're getting makes sense to you and makes sense in relationship to your child. Does this make sense, what this person's telling me about my child, about my spouse, about my family member? You have to ask yourself those questions. Trust yourself. This is very important. The other part of that is, as a caregiver, we as caregivers have to take care of ourselves. We have to make sure that we stay healthy so that we can help the person who's ill.
1: You'll you'll get no argument out of me for that.
3: (laughs) I mean, it's very important that the person who's the caregiver stays healthy and takes care of themselves. This is a critical issue go to support groups I went to a support group I needed to learn about what other people were experiencing and how they were getting through it whether there were answers there maybe there were, maybe there weren't we all need support that is very important and to accept that support is helpful it's an outlet it's a way of being together with other people who are going through the same thing. Um, Just because I'm a mental health practitioner doesn't mean I'm a human being and I also needed that support. And so I went to the local support group to find out information, to share, to learn, to have an outlet for my own feelings of what I was going through as a mother with a very ill child. With very few answers, I don't believe that Lyme is cured. I don't know if there is total evidence of that, but I do believe you can get to a place of wellness
1: well on that one uh, i'm a I'm a great believer that it can be cured uh and um but again, it's <laughs> personal opinion, I guess.
3: Yes, I guess so. Um so, what did I do along the way to get to more wellness um for my daughter? Well, um, she was on antibiotics for a long period of time, continuously for three and a half years. Um the antibiotics changed. she was on doxycycline for quite a quite a long time um Erythromycin and azithromycin, along with that um she was also on some supplements vitamin B was one of those she was uh, on some other um uh, some other vitamins, and also um she was on an herbal protocol that was related to uh, Stephen Harrod Buhner's book, Healing Lyme Naturally. And so um, the primary component herb in that was Japanese knotweed. Now, Mm -hmm. I'm not an herbalist. I don't know a lot about herbs, but I had her on that protocol. She continued with chiropractic, she had acupuncture, um, she had physical therapy when she came back from the hospital, when she was on the antibiotic, when she was on doxycycline, about 10 weeks into doxycycline, she was able to walk again. Um I believe there was a period of time after physical therapy that we did a little yoga. Um, Also, she had neurofeedback um, for her brain. Um, I mean, we just kept going from one thing to another to another. And it's very hard to say this thing helped with this or this treatment or this helped with that. I think every everything helped. It's hard to determine what the specific relationship was to her wellness. I just thought it was important to try. If something wasn't working or wasn't enough, I was going to add something else to it. I didn't just add things um, spontaneously. It was a thought-out plan. If she reached a plateau, often on antibiotics, she would reach a plateau and I added something to move it along a little more. I think one of the most important parts of her getting well was her mother's belief that she was going to walk again, and then she did. Her mother's belief that she was going to get well. Her mother's belief that this was, you know, it was going to get better. And that's what I kept feeding her. Positive statements, positive feelings, positive thoughts, encouragement, endless encouragement, But in hopefulness. We're going to get through this, that I love her, I'm going to be there for her, even in the darkest moments of her being disconnected in some of these outbursts and things that we've her it was almost as if she was detached or dissociated from herself and even in those times where i would look at my own child and look her in the eyes and i could i i couldn't i wasn't sure that i could even see her because her eyes had that distant glare but i still held her i still told her I love you. I'm here with you. I'm not going anywhere. I know you're inside there and I'm not going to let you go. We're going to keep fighting this together. I mean, things like that are very important.
1: I completely agree. Uh we have a couple of a few people here who are I don't know if they're just listening in or they have questions. How about we see if they have questions? Sure, okay. Two four eight area code, are you there? Hello.
4: Hello.
1: Hi, did you have a question from Indy?
4: Yes, I did. Um my daughter um started having angry outbursts about five years ago. She was living in Pennsylvania and she had said she got hit by several bugs out there. Um I can't get her to listen to me online but she's been having a lot of angry outbursts, uh foul language, even um which is just not my daughter um, how do you how do you try to get someone who's kinda in an adult phase who's explosive um, to uh, open them up to the the idea that they should be tested just as precautionaries?
3: Have you spoken to her about being tested at all?
4: I have mentioned several type of tests where I have Lyme disease. Um we've had toxic mold exposures, sewer water exposures, all kinds of good stuff. Um mm-hmm. but she's traveled in Pennsylvania, she's been in New York and I'm just really concerned and she seems to ignore it, but she's had this great big personality change where she's just trying to become a monster.
3: And she's never had anything like that before.
4: No. Um, when she was little, um, she had um A D D, um mm-hmm. hyperactivity. Put her on Adderall, she was a loving kid and playing it, so it was great. Um she had problems growing up like all kids. Um she was learning disabled. Um, she's twenty nine now and expecting a baby on November seventh. But um, about five years ago, she started having these angry outbursts, just out of the ordinary. And I've noticed her also um, transferring things like one person will have something traumatic happen and the other person um, will be telling her and then all of a sudden she thinks it's going on with her. So I don't know if it's Lyme disease or if it's, mental
3: stress, or, you know, I just don't know how to tell the difference. Well, I think, of course, ruling out um, is very easy. I mean, starting with a test would help. Um, I think that what I could suggest is to get all the people that she does trust together and to try to get everyone together to send her that message that being tested and who's ever going with her to the doctor um, for her pregnancy um, to talk to the doctor with her about that possibility because there is some um, evidence now about passing Lyme disease on to your child. Well, I did try to get
4: her tested. I brought up to her boyfriend to be tested for the MTHFR gene. And they just blow that off, too. And I just, you know, I see major possible problems here. Um, uh, maybe I can gather her girlfriends and see if they can talk to her.
1: One one pathway for that might be um, if she's, uh, like most new mothers, she's going to be very concerned about her baby. Uh, there is... Not some, but very adequate evidence that that lung disease can be passed to a baby in utero, um, and it's something that well, one of the reasons that babies come out sick. Uh, if she, um, I don't know if you could use that as a um, as a little bit of a lever to get her to to get some testing done, but uh, you know, there's lots of lots of reasons for that behavior, but lung disease should be on the top of the list to rule out. And um yeah,
4: especially since I have it, and um she's been in Pennsylvania and New York mm-hmm. a lot, and we had a very mad mold exposure, and Lyme seems to love mold too so mhm
1: yep it is something that um it's something that you know once you start uh, attacking the neurological system, uh the neurological system starts reacting to things that they wouldn't normally react to. Okay so um you know your points are very well taken and um you know it's 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 tough it's tough with a girl like that who's combative who's uh trying to uh, you know argue every point but um you know she's going to be concerned about her baby so uh that may be a um a pathway for
4: her to get Maybe tested a good angle. And, I guess so it's worth a try
3: don't, don't give up, up. absolutely don't give okay, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna give keep having everyone and family members encourage her to be tested. Okay. Well, there is no family members,
4: but there are friends. Um, we're the last of our family, so um but I will work on our friends and talk to them and her boyfriend and see what I can get done. Thank you so much for you're doing you're this welcome. show and for talking to me. I really appreciate it.
1: Not a problem. Thank you for your call. I'm going to put you back on, on hold so you can listen, okay? Thank All you. Right. I'm going to do that, sure. And the nice person in the 845 area code, are you there?
2: Oh, hi, Hello? Mindy, it's Patty. It's, hi. Hi. Hi, Mindy, it's Patty. Hi, Patty, I, I, how are you? Uh, Hi, and I I, I I don't have a. It's not a question. It's it's more of a statement, I guess, or a, a comment. Um, uh we you were talking about, uh, you know, when we do our intakes as therapists, and uh, and when we find, uh, you know, indications that a family should bring their child for testing. I've run into some things with, you know, some providers. Some of them are, are fabulous, and we have a good relationship with them. But uh, sometimes I do run into, oh, here she goes again, sending another kid for testing. She's overreacting, you know. Um, and it just really drives me crazy. But I do it anyway, and I send them anyway, and I'll keep sending them. Um sure. So. I would keep, smacking, keep
1: smacking them. Don't worry about it. You just keep smacking them. <laughs> Absolutely. You keep, they and, and can't, they, the squeaky wheel does get the grease. Okay. And, and, keep sending them, and if keep sending, sending lime, them, keep sending that's them. that's
2: great. <laughs>
1: but, and yeah. believe me, if that, other doctors, they don't want to test somebody else will. You know, this is the United <laughs> States of America. You can't swing a dead cat and not hit a doctor. Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Nobody has the, you know, the, the corner on anything. Not around here. You know, other countries in in Australia, they don't believe Lyme exists. you take a positive Mm -hmm. test to uh, a doctor in England, okay, they'll do their own test and it'll come out negative. Everybody knows what they're dealing with over there because they don't want to treat Lyme because it's national health care and it's an expensive thing to treat. Okay, but in the United States of America, guess what? If the doctor who, you know, is the biggest and the best, if he doesn't want to treat it, well, guess what he or she doesn't want to treat it? Find somebody else. Okay, find somebody else, keep at it, keep hitting it. Because remember, especially neuropsychiatric diagnoses are not diagnoses, they're syndromes. There's reasons for them, and we have to keep hammering away at it, and people will start getting better. I gotta tell you, my listeners have been the best. They have gone to their doctors and probably threatened them like Darth Vader, you know, just had them up against the wall. Okay, and believe me, it's changing. Doctors don't like losing patients. It's kind of like losing money, you know? So they're losing patients to other doctors who are willing to treat and test. Ha, 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 ha. Keep it up. <laughs> Thank you. You're most Thanks, welcome. Thanks,
2: Patty. <laughs> Thank you, Mindy. You're the Thanks best. For the call.
1: <laughs> yes, Mindy is the best. Thanks so much. Okay, it doesn't want work. All right. Here you go. Hopefully... There you go. Okay. Hi, nice person in the 516 area code. Are you there? Hello. Mindy, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, good. <laughs> I was wondering because <laughs> everything got quiet. When things get quiet on a computer, you never know what's going on.
3: <laughs>
1: okay. Well, I guess that person's just listening. Um, so... This is, uh, we're getting around 9 o'clock, and uh, if anybody else wants to ask Mindy a question, it's It's 646-595-2277. That's 646-595-2277. And um, this is really a a wonderful story, Mindy, because I I understand that Sophie's doing very well now. Uh, She's 14, yes? Yes. And you were telling me a little bit about her prior to the show. um, Yes. Tell everybody like what she's doing with herself that. now. Please do, yeah. please do.
3: Um, so Sophie is now 14 years old. She's a 10th grader in high school. She is younger than her peer um, because she's 14. She won't turn 15 till she is till February, her birthday. So she's younger. She does have a, um, some residual issues from Lyme disease, which is a cognitive processing issue, um, which we were able to get a 504 accommodation um, at the end of elementary school and at the beginning of middle school, which has carried through until high school. So the 504 accommodation has given her, you know, extra time on tests and projects because of the processing delay. In spite of her processing delay, she um, and in spite of um, some other issues that she's having, I want to just mention being ill and dealing with an illness and being afraid of being ill again. There is also she has uh, been dealing with some post-traumatic stress issues related to being um, ill. Um, So she does have anxiety still, and along with this processing delay. But in spite of all of these issues that she continues to struggle with, she is doing very well in school. She is a dancer. She takes dance. She is also in advanced um, math and science. Um, She presently is um, taking advanced algebra and also physics, and she is a very um, high-performing academic student, and um, she's also a fighter. She's a fighter. She perseveres. Uh, Sometimes she's too hard on herself. And um, with all of these issues that she struggles with, she's still doing very well. And, of course, I'm very proud of her. And um, I feel very grateful and blessed that I was able to do everything that I did. Looking back, I sometimes wonder myself where I got the strength, the inner strength. Because one of the things I do talk about in the story that I have not mentioned is that um, other family members um, had a lot of difficulty believing the illness, uh, believing that she was really physically ill. And so that made the situation a divide in our household and made it very difficult for Sophie um, as well. I mean, there's nothing more awful than thinking that there are people in your family who don't believe that you're really sick.
1: Happens a lot with people who have chronic illnesses and more than that have hidden illnesses, things that you can't see. And they look okay, but they're still very ill. And it's bad when families, spouses, and so forth um, get to the point where they don't believe you. It's not that they don't love you, but they're listening to all the other input they're getting, saying that there's nothing wrong. So after a while, they're like, hey, you know, you've been checked by the biggest and the best, so, you know, maybe there is nothing wrong.
0: Pain,
3: other uh, someone else's pain is very difficult to deal with, even as a parent. It's easier to um, deny what's happening, um, to face Life and what life gives us is not always an easy, an um, easy task. Um, but for me, there was no other way. Um, I was I was in it. I knew I was going to be in it, and I was going to be in it until I got to the other side, whatever that other side was. That's kind of how I tell the story. Um, it was very difficult emotionally and um to deal with not only what she was suffering but as a caregiver as a parent str- you know struggling along with your daughter with your child um very um emotionally charged all the time. I think that being in this field um, has helped me um, with how I made decisions along the way and also the fact that I'm probably and hope hope to be an inspiration to many of the people that I try to help. Um, I was certainly an inspiration to my daughter and um, we have a very close and loving relationship Um, which we always had and probably more so because of all the things that we suffered together. Um, Learning to separate from her and having her become an independent person was a difficult challenge during the illness because she was so dependent on me and needed to be um, because of being so sick. And so there were challenges we had to face. Um, along the way for her to be able to break the dependency of as she got better to be more independent and do things for herself. Um, It was a period of time I did everything for her. And so um, to continue that is also not a healthy recipe. Um, So working towards her being more independent as she got well and, helping her build confidence in herself again was a very important part of her wellness. And these are the mental health pieces.
1: You've done a very good job of working with her. For our listeners, how uh, do they get a hold of your book?
3: Um, They can... um, I have a website for the book. It's com. You can also go on to
2: <clears throat>
3: Amazon and uh, put in "lime rage" book, and the book will come up. It's easy enough to find. Um, I believe it's also an ebook um, on both Barnes and Noble and Amazon.
1: Um, like I said, like I said to everybody, this is a, this is a great book. It's an easy book to read. Um, Even the typeface and everything about it makes it easy to read. And um, this is something that you should pick up and um, learn and uh, realize um, that if somebody has an illness that you can't identify, that you have to keep hammering away at it. And Lyme disease is one of the better uh, things to consider. And uh, it's just endemic everywhere. Uh so Mindy, I thank you very much for being on the show. You're um you're an inspiration to us all. I mean, let's face it, you, you looked at you and your daughter looked at death in the face. Okay, and you overcame it. And uh there's a lot to be said for that. So I appreciate all the um all the time that you put in and uh being on our show tonight.
3: Thank you, Doctor Jeff. I appreciate you inviting me and I hope that um whatever I can offer will be helpful to other people getting the information out there.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, everybody. Um, that was Mindy Haber. That was, she's, uh, like I said, wrote a book called Lime Rage, um, a mother's struggle to save her daughter from Lyme disease. And uh, it's really a wonderful story. And um, you should, um, if you have the opportunity, uh download it as an ebook. Uh it's a quick and easy read, but you can you know follow along with um everything that uh happened with her. Uh speaking of testing, okay, uh one of the biggest problems that we're having uh is getting the proper testing done and interpreting the testing. That's the biggest thing. Okay, in the United States um the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine, we've developed a panel Uh, for testing, and uh, it's a very extensive panel, and it is not expensive. If you go to our website, uh, methylationsupport.com, go to the consultation area. Okay, look at the Lyme disease interpretation tests. Uh, There's a – we've slashed the price uh, very significantly so that people can start getting testing done. And uh, if you read it, if you have any questions, you can give us a call at the office – We'll explain it to you. And um, on, if you look on the website, it has a list of the tests that are done. We have uh, developed a panel with uh, Medical Diagnostic Laboratories in New Jersey. And uh, they not only do uh, a wonderful vector-borne disease panel, they also do a Western blot that we can actually look at, okay, and make judgments from there and from your history. So that's available to you. If you're outside the United States, uh, you can go to line dot com that's lime testing uk dot com which is our sister uh, website and the same testing is available worldwide uh like i said we have a really great lineup this next month okay Uh, next week we're going to be speaking to donna morrow who uh had a diabetic foot ulcer another story of hope and almost lost her uh foot and uh she's going to tell you how um As she healed from that on the 16th, we're going to have Dr. Rika Milanovic, who is a family practitioner and integrative specialist. Uh, this is a fascinating individual that you will enjoy listening to. She's a very eclectic, um, just a wonderful person to, um, to be interviewed. I can't wait to actually speak with her on the 23rd. There will not be a podcast because I've been invited to, uh, speak at, um, Dr. Jim Roach's. He's the, um, America's Healer, and uh, he's having a seminar in Kentucky and invited me down to speak at it. And on 1130, we're going to have, finally, the um, podcast on the cell danger response. Uh, It was the one that we were supposed to have last week that I canceled because it is so complex, I couldn't get it down to an understandable level so that everybody could understand it. So I'm working really hard on it, and the cell danger response is – the very basis of disease. Okay, so also um, in December, we're going to have another, um, another uh, Lisa Denny, who is, um, Denny's, who is an occupational therapist, acupuncturist who wrote a book, Unveiling Lyme Disease. Is this what's behind your chronic illness? And it's going to be released on Amazon November 15th. And I got to tell you something. This is where it's at. I think that if you have a chronic illness, any chronic illness whatsoever, you should be testing for Lyme disease. So, if you have questions about testing, go to our website. We'd be happy to answer your questions. Give the office a call uh, because I know that people out there want to know about the testing. Want to know how to interpret it. And that's the big problem is getting is getting the proper testing done and getting an experienced healthcare practitioner to interpret it with you. Okay. And we've solved that problem for you. And um, stay tuned. This is going to be a great month. I really appreciate everybody's attention. I um, look forward. I love doing these podcasts. And I think we just passed 105,000 listens. Okay. You guys are great. And um, looking forward to continuing along. We're going to just, Keep on keeping on. And remember, especially remember what Mindy said, don't give up. Don't accept what a healthcare practitioner says if it doesn't make any sense to you. Okay, if in your heart and in your soul, in the deepest part of you, it doesn't sit well, then take that information, go to somebody else. Okay, if you have to keep checking, you know, if you have to keep looking around, then keep looking around. Okay. If it's yourself, if it's a loved one. Okay. If it isn't for you, who's going to do it? Okay. So don't accept this. I think it's in your head kind of stuff because it's not in your head. Okay. It's not a psychological construct. It is a physiological construct and it has to be dealt with in that manner. And eventually the real doctors will catch up to us. Don't worry about it. You keep, you keep beating them with a stick. Okay. So I will see you all next week. Looking forward to it. Talk to you guys later. Have a good week. Thanks so much for being with us.
0: It's been a long road Getting from that here It's been a long time But my time is finally I can't feel-
1: Don't forget people, just keep hanging in there, okay, Okay. there's answers, just keep hammering away at it, have a good week.